And welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a podcast that covers all things Partick Thistle. Joining me this week is Reese Haldane. Reese, how are you doing? I'm very well, David. Another week, another Thistle victory. Can't complain. And as well as that, I'm joined by Jamie McDonald. Jamie, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Through to the next round of the cup, another clean sheet. Fantastic winner as well. Can't ask for much more. Get the open top bus booked. As well as that, joining us, uh, Mark Wallace. Mark, how you doing? I'm doing good. Doing good. Don't really echo what the guys have said about just being happy to get through uh, another round of the cup after what looked like it could have went either way. Absolutely. And as well as that, joining us is um, a debutant from the Ocker Rather Chippy podcast, John Gillis. John, how are you? I'm good, David. Thanks for having me on, boys. Um, yeah, good to chat just about Park Thistle Football Club this 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 week instead of the usual chippy chat that I normally have with the boys. But yeah, I mean, what's what's more to say? Delighted. Great performance in the Scottish Cup from the boys. Great to see the victory out. And I mean, another clean sheet. And Jamie Snedden is my hero. <laughs> yeah, he is absolutely all of our heroes at this point. But we'll start, as we always do, with the, the start and 11. I'm not going to lie, when I seen the start and 11 on Friday, I was very surprised. Stephen Hendry getting a rare call-up. Soon turned out that um, Ricky Forster, I believe, is isolating with COVID at the moment, hence why he was out last week. Um, Hendry came in to replace him as well as that. Graham and Mayo didn't feature as they've got knocks, apparently. But Cammy Smith and Kyle Turner were in. And we even saw some youth players on the bench, um, Jai Stevenson as well as Stanway as well. Reese, what were your thoughts on the starting 11 when you saw it? Yeah, it's always a, a bit of a cause for concern where when two of your main players, like Lewis Mayo and Brian Graham, aren't playing. And also like a regular starter like Foster's not in the squad. But at the same time, I'm happy for McKenna to keep his place. And I think he's doing, he's improving. We come weak at right back. And he's kind of making that spot his own. So I think uh, Ricky Foster's actually got a wee bit of a job on his hands to get back into the team at the minute. As for Graham, Graham will always get back into the team regardless of what happens. Um, I imagine he'll be back for next week. Same with Mayo. But I don't, I don't know that it was actually confirmed that Foster had COVID. So... I hope he's well, obviously. I hope he returns soon and he's fit and healthy. But I, and as, you, as you mentioned, like, it was good to see the young boys on the bench. Obviously, it was a bit of a tight game. We didn't really get, get the chance for them to get brought on. But the Youth Academy is looking in a good way at the moment as well. So it's always good to see that. But I, as you say, like, with these changes being made, like that's kind of like three like, regular starters who weren't playing at the weekend. And the team isn't weakened any. Like, that's the, the beauty of how good we are at the minute. Like, our squad and our strength and depth at the moment is, is really, really good. And I'd, I'd kind of like to single out Stephen Hendry for a bit of praise because it's a tough gig he had at the weekend. Like, on Friday night, he's barely had any game time in the past year. You know, he had a bad injury at the end of his time at Morecambe and then he's only played that one night against Queen the South. And it, obviously, it was, a, it was a really bad night for everyone. We lost 2-0 and it was, it was a bit of a change side, but he didn't, he didn't look out of place at the weekend there. So... Onwards and upwards. 
Jamie, I remember when we were at air last week, um, Stephen Hendry jogged past us as we were sitting at the, the advertising hoarding, and we both went, is that Stephen Hendry? Oh my God, because we just hadn't seen him very often. It was like a rare, mythical being just right in front of us. What were your thoughts on the starting 11, and specifically Hendry as well? How do you think he shaped up in his call-up when he, when he started? Uh, like I said, I mentioned, I was kind of surprised at the starting 11. I hadn't realised that Foster had COVID, and, and I didn't realise that Graham and Mayo had Knox. I thought maybe McCall just wanted to rest them for the league games, give them an extra week off, but I thought the starting lineup did pretty well. Stephen Hendry, it was good to see him finally get in the game. I was convinced he probably wouldn't play again because he hadn't even been in the squad recently, never mind on the bench. And I thought he'd probably just be like the next Mitch, Mitch Austin, a cameo appearance, and then never come back. But we'll see. He's obviously made a case for himself as getting some more game time. I thought he was pretty good. Maybe it took him about 20 minutes to grow into the game, but that's probably... He's probably pretty rusty because he's barely been playing. As Rhys said, he had an injury, and after that, he's not had much game time apart from that game in the Cup when he ended up making a mistake in stoppage time, which gave away the second goal. So... Didn't expect him to see him again, but it's good to see him in the squads. I thought the team coped very well. I thought McKenna, again, was brilliant at right back. I'm glad to see him improving there because originally I wasn't too sure on him there, but I think he's doing well. I thought the run you know, ran about, ran his heart out again up front, but he didn't, didn't have the best of games because he probably didn't have the best of service in the game. It wasn't an amazing match overall, but it took a moment of quality from someone like Ross Doherty. And funny enough, he almost scored that and the goal identical to that against... Dunfermline uh, in that 0-0 game in the league and who came off this time what a goal to win it not the best of games but fantastic to get the win another clean sheet for Jamie Stenden as well and yeah it's nothing to complain about really uh, Absolutely um, and yeah just to clarify I don't know if the first actually had COVID I believe he was pinged as a close contact to someone but not I don't think it was anyone in, in the official team from what I heard I, I'd heard that um, the rumour was thrown about on the Friday and I spoke to somebody who kind of had sources uh, within the club that kind of heard stuff in the grapevine as well and basically confirmed it as well, that at the very least the reason he was was because he was isolating. Um, we also noticed he wasn't on sports scene or anything like that in the last week or two, presumably because he's isolating, uh, which would make sense. John, uh, do you have any thoughts on the game? Yeah, so can I just echo what kind of Reese was saying? Our strength and depth in our squad now is something that I thought all Thistle fans have probably been hoping to see when McCall kind of came in. Obviously, we know the squad that he took over. What was it now? Almost two years ago. And it's good to see that. I thought Cammy Smith, um, obviously coming in as well, um, I thought he had a really good game. And we've got a good depth in the squad. Like, I wasn't too... Although, obviously, you're missing Brian Graham at the top front. Um, I, th- I thought that that was maybe a little bit of concern. Um, obviously, McCall's in post-match saying he'll be back for the Queen's Queen of the South game on Saturday, which is good to see. But I thought, I mean, Rudden leading the line. Uh, well, we saw against uh, Kelly, didn't we? That that he was he was up there by himself. Um, and I think we've we've got the strength and depth to to maybe play a little bit more of a versatile kind of attacking options. Um, and we've got a couple of runners that can run in behind the ball, which we're maybe not used to seeing before. And another thing we're definitely not used to seeing before is Ross Doherty coming up with an absolute screamer to to cement the game and eventually get the victory. Um, I mean, I'm that. If we think about it to some of the some of the midfielders we've had before, you know, um, Abdul Osman, for example. I mean, there was no chance that that boy was going to even shoot from 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 anywhere, just pass sideways. So it's definitely a welcome relief to see that we've got that in the in the locker. Mark, uh, your thoughts on the game as well? Well, it was a bit laboured, but I think Dunfermline still try to find their feet under uh, their new manager. Maybe 
kind of played into our hands a bit. I think also we've seen uh, like when uh, we sort of touched on the uh, Queen of the South game in the Challenge Cup about the difference. I mean, when we had we lost, we had key players uh, missing from that game, and it was a massive factor. But the the run that we're on at the minute, the confidence it's generated is a massive lift. And like, yeah, we did have Mayo and Graham out from that game uh, on Friday night. Uh, it made no difference to the we saw performance because they're on a good run. The confidence is high, and you can see because at that time when we lost that uh, cup tie to Queen of the South, we weren't we weren't we weren't in the form that we're on at the moment. We had, of course, we had to make those changes by Foster and that Mayo being out. I thought uh, McKenna and uh, Hendry were very good, and like McKenna often getting deployed at right back, and people are questioning or his actual ability there. I think he's, he's slotted in really well. And besides, even if he uh, can't play at right back, Akinola can play there as well if, if need be. If we're, if we're really sure. So the depth is just really encouraging. The confidence is really encouraging. So to get a win with something spectacular in a game that seemed to be petering out to nothing is very encouraging. Keeps a, keeps a good run going as well without conceding a goal and winning games. I'd agree with your first point about it being a bit of a laboured win. We definitely were good value for the win. I definitely think that it was the right result. And not just saying that because I'm a Fissel fan. I think we were definitely by far the better team. We were a bit sluggish to start with, but we were we were making some good chances. I don't say it was as laboured as the Hamilton game, but I certainly it wasn't the sort of free phone stuff that we were seeing against, say, Ayr or, ha- or Hamilton, you know, uh, um, in New Douglas Park. And, one thing I wanted to ask yourself, just about, obviously we mentioned about Ricky Foster. Since Ross Foster's been in the last two games, we have kind of laboured ourselves to 1-0 victories, whereas before we were kind of on a run scoring goals and stuff like that. Do we miss Ricky Foster, Jamie? To be fair, in recent weeks, I think we've coped all right without him defensively. But going forward, maybe a little bit, I don't know. I mean, he does, was there not some statistic that we saw that Foster had the most crosses out of the team? Our most successful cross to the team, which thinking back to it, sometimes in the past on this podcast, we've criticised Foster's crossing. So that seems a surprising stat. But I don't know. I don't know if we fully miss him going forward. I think we've been OK in recent weeks. Maybe, you know, the Hamilton game in the league, you know, that was a it was a very poor game overall. There's only one shot on target like we discussed on last week's pod, but we still got the win. Same with Dunfermline. It wasn't a great game. We did create more chances, I'd say. But again, it's another 1-0 win. If we're getting one now wins, I don't think anyone's going to be complaining. Wins are wins. It's obviously nice to have those kind of games. I've had quite a few this season. 6-1 Hamilton, 4-0 earlier, twice, 3-0 Morton, 3-0 Dunfermline. Those games are fantastic to watch. Good for the goal difference. But if we're getting the wins, I think it's fine. Foster, I think he'll probably come back into the team as McCall does seem to favour him. I wouldn't be surprised to see him back when he is fit. But as Reese mentioned earlier, McKenna has made a really good case for himself to remain at right back because he's done well recently and he's not really put a foot wrong. Reese, any comment, any thoughts on the performance? In regards to performance, I thought that Cammy Smith actually probably had his don't know, probably had his best game in a Fissel jersey. I thought he looked really lively and he was looking creative throughout um, a couple of chances. I thought he should have actually scored one point when he got played into the box and maybe just took a wee bit too long to release the trigger and they got a block in. But I actually really liked the look of him and I think I think I still do think we've still to see the best of Cammy Smith in a Fissel jersey. At times it looks like he's about to get up and running and then he falls out of the team again and then he can't get a starting spot. But 
that that as as we say again, I'm I'm going on to it again. But it's just the beauty of the strength and depth we have right now in the competition for places, firing all cylinders. Like you had guys like Kel Turner, like there was a period where he couldn't get in the team. There was I think it was maybe five or six games where he was on the bench and was like an unused sub, and he's got the most assists in the whole of the Scottish Championship. So it's a luxury having guys like that are that good who can't even get in the team that would walk into every other club in this division, and it's it's brilliant that we have that luxury. Also, I think Scott Tiffany, like, I don't think it was his best game by any means. There was times where like the ball was bouncing off him, but see, just those wee moments where he gets the ball back to go and he spins and he's beat three guys already. There's nobody in the league who can play like that. Not one other player who's as good as that. In those moments, like, I, I sit and say to my pals during the games, I'm like, mate, I can't believe that guy's playing for Partick Fussell. Like, see, I can't believe we have a guy who's doing that for our club. I think we just need to enjoy him while he's here because... When he's playing like on his game, it's frightening. I think he'll be away in the not too distant future. I think it's one of the beauties of him playing on the wing as well. Is it like if you're sitting in like the the Jackie Husband or whatever, or you're you're sitting you put the long side of the pitch or whatever, or even you know you get a good view and he is he is a bit of a focal point. And like I, I agree, like on Friday. I mean, we, we talked about how he gets double, sometimes triple marked at games by teams, and you could clearly see that Dunfermline had kind of marked him and. Uh, down to you know try and shut him down to try try to grind us to a halt and yeah he was just he was just take, <laughs> taking players for a mug and absolutely just turning them in and out and yeah he was he was incredible and I agree it's one of those things where it's great seeing him at this point and one of those things where in the future we'll look back and we'll we'll really praise Scott Tiffany and look back really fondly on what he used to do week in week out for us because it is a week in week out thing where even if it wasn't his best game there were several moments in the family game where, you, where you're just like you know taking your breath away at how good he is at just beating a man and getting the ball away from players and stuff and yeah he, he was just absolutely fantastic but that one means that we move on to the next round um, of the Scottish Cup now the draw is in about I think it's about an hour and a half after this after the Brecon Darvel game um, this is where the 12 Premiership teams come in. You've got obviously the junior teams at Auchinleck, Talbot, Clyde Bank, Banks of D, possibly Darvel for Beat Breaking as well, as well as some other tasty teams in there. So I want to come round to you and ask you, um, starting with Mark, what is your ideal cup draw out of uh, the teams involved in the hat? Well, obviously, like you might say, you want the lower league team at home to get the best chance of progression so maybe someone like a Bank City or maybe East Kilbride at home yeah that would be ideal but part of me wants an away day somewhere where I've not been so like somewhere like either Brechin or Darvel uh, away would be a laugh perhaps Peterhead away another ground I've not been to so like you're kind of stuck between what do you want and what you're going to get and usually this will get team in the same division Celtic or Rangers at home or away or somebody like Hearts or Dundee United at home like there's there's usually minimal oh that's good when it comes to cup draws for us like like I said we got Dunfermline in the the last round there so it's, it's hard to get up for it you know very much either got any sort of tasty games we get against sort of lower league sides are always at home like for Martin and Pennycook um, as well as that um, it's a, it's always usually Celtic or Rangers that you get I was firmly in the Peterhead camp where I wanted Peterhead 
uh, and then my wife asked me when we were meant to play this and I believe we're meant to play it in January which is the last fucking time you want to go to Peterhead away so it's kind of clouded my judgement on this for me Clyde Bank probably would be a good draw but I don't think any of us would get a ticket because all of their cup games are sold out in, in hours so I think that would be a real struggle to get a ticket but it would be a great game and I really think we absolutely need to avoid Talbot I went to Talbot on Saturday and uh, to watch them play Aki's. And despite my wife saying it's the best pie in Scottish football, they absolutely just ran Aki's ragged. Aki's looked terrible. And I know Aki's aren't the best in the moment, but I, I do fear if we were to go to Beechwood Park, Emily, eh, they've beaten McCall already. I was going to say, they've emptied a McCall team before. It, exactly. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I'm a bit, I'm a bit up in the air to do it. But, I mean, like, Jamie, who would you like in the draw? Personally, I just want a new away day. I mean, the main thing's progression, but I want a new away day, so I'm saying Peter Head or Annan away, just to get them off the 42. Annan's a bloody good away day, to be fair. Miss Scott of the Shed. Oh, right good day out there. Definitely, yeah. No, I went to Annan earlier on this year, and yeah, I definitely recommend it. It would be a good wee day out, um, definitely. Um, Reese, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Um, surely if we get the old firm away, the gate receipts alone will, keep, will tick us over for a wee while. Surely, surely we should be, you know, yearning for that, a chance to have a big scalp against the old firm. Would you agree? No, not at all. Not one. <laughs> not not interested in the slightest. Like that is the that is like a thing that you always clutch to see when you get drawn against Rangers Celtic. You're like absolutely raging, mate. Like cup run over, like. Just fuming, and then you're like, but we'll get a wee bit of money. And usually you're like, I, I will get a signing or two, and hopefully that'll keep us afloat, and we'll win a couple of games in January. But see, this year, I think our squad's good enough as it is. Like, I think we can bring in maybe one or two players, if that, who are going to add to the team in the summer. And uh, winter, I'm not expecting like, whole, any wholesale changes in, in the winter transfer window. So I'm, I'm really not asked about getting Rangers Celtic. I'd be gutted if we got them at this stage. As the boys have already said, I'd love a like a non-league club I'd love Banks in DOA I would like a Clyde Bank I would like a Talbot but as you've already said that's major banana skin type stuff because they they are decent sides and I think I do think that we would have enough to beat them but it's just one of those awkward ones but if you get beat it's embarrassing so Banks in DOA I think we can <laughs> I think we can brush them aside but that'll be as pumped free now off them there Probably have to play that at Cove or Aberdeen because of their ground being like just one stand and three fenced insides. Hey, Cove, not I've not been to Cove. That 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 works for me. Uh, likewise, <laughs> we'll probably need, probably need to play it at Cove or Pataudry, which would I, be a bit shite to be honest. I do quite like Pataudry to be fair, but yeah, I you know you you want to be you want to go to Banks City. John, your take on it, who do you want to see us get in the cup? Are you rooting for a, a home a home game against a Diddy team that we can just brush away or are you wanting the, the daft away day odyssey? Like Reese said, I mean, I'm fed up of just drawing the old firm in, in the Scottish Cup. It seems to be that we do it more often than not. Um, and David, like you were saying, I think we should avoid Talbot at all costs. I think Clyde Bank, maybe Banks of D, they're potential bad banana skins if you've got them as away ties. Um, looking at Talbot highlights, like you said, David, you were at the game, they were all over Aki's. Um, they didn't have anything to, to, to give back. Hamilton, I know they're not, they're not having the greatest season just now, but I, I think we need to avoid at all costs. You know what I'm going for, boys? I'm going for Dundee at home. That's what I would love to see. Just to 
get it up them really to be honest because yeah the, the, you, I mean we've heard it um, the, the voting scandal and all that nonsense I think Dundee at home they're not having a great season they're sitting second at the bottom of the Prem I think we've got enough to take them and um, yeah let's get progression Reese, on that note Dun- Dundee at home who scored in the Jerry Britton screamer for us uh, to beat Dundee at Farhill Toon Jack and all this screamer mate <laughs> for the cup games how good has he been recently like he's getting better and better every week 13 starts, 10 clean sheets for this club. Wow. Speaking of away day odysseys, uh, we travel to Queen of the South on Saturday, back in league action. First of all, Jamie, I just want to get your thoughts on how do you think the game's going to go and are you looking forward to Dumfries away? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's a good away day. I like going to Queen of the South. Yeah, I do love a good away day, especially now that the you know the league's been off for two weeks, a cup break. I enjoy the cup, but it wasn't, as we said in last week's episode, it wasn't the most exciting tie to get. Um, just kind of looking forward to the week, uh, the league that was the following weekend. I'm looking forward to going to Queen of the South. Obviously, we've had played them twice this season, beat them three two in the league. I don't think we played fantastic that day. I think we can definitely do a lot better than that. And in that two 0 game in the Challenge Cup, we were shocking that day. It was a really bad performance. We, albeit we weren't playing our strongest team, but it still wasn't a good performance that day. I think if we line up with a similar team we played against here or Hamilton, I think that. We probably should win comfortably enough. I think I think I think we should win comfortably enough and hopefully keep another clean sheet. Because the defence right now, they just do not look like conceding. Every, every game they're just so solid. Jamie Sneddon just seems so confident in goals right now. It's absolutely fantastic. I saw some stat on Twitter saying that the clean sheet record that he's got right now stems back a hundred years for seven consecutive clean sheets, which is mental if you think about it. We're watching something for the first time in a century. Um, I'm really happy that Jamie Stenz has done it because he's been so patient Like to get a season as number one. He's been at the club for five seasons. He's finally got that season number one. He's taken it with both hands. It's it's brilliant to see and I hope we get a good away support, which I think we will. And Looking forward to the game. Or at the start of this season, if you said to us that Jamie Stedden be on the form that he is, I think we would all maybe be a little bit confused by that. Obviously, we called bought Harry Stone in, up and up, up and kind of coming goals, um, kind of goalkeeper for, for, for Hearts. We thought maybe he'd get more game time, as did he, but I mean, uh, it was great to see Jamie Stedden. He's been in the background for so long at Thistle. It's great to see that he's actually getting the credit he deserves, finally. John, do you do you see Snedden keeping another clean sheet at Dumfries? <sighs> Um, it's a tricky place to go, isn't it? Um, I can see it happening though. Like, we, like you say, we, we do have a good, good strength at that in in, in the back, back four. Um, what I listened to Zach Rudden as well speaking that it's the whole team performance getting the clean sheet, and I think it's something that 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 they've got focus on. Um, Queen of the South, though, I mean, it was a hard battle for them at the weekend against Cove. They had to come from behind to level. They've got good players in Connolly. Um, he scored a couple of goals for them this season and um, the kind of new forward they signed from Stranraer, Rudy Payton, um, he can be a little bit of a handful and we know what Willie Gibson's like in, in the middle, he's always a threat as well but I mean I'd, I'd quite like to see us get back on league form, continue the run and yeah even just increase further up the table. It's obviously tricky in, in the league positions just now, who would have thought that our both are actually kind of up there and thereabouts with us. Um, obviously the part-time side, um, they maybe hopefully don't have as much depth as we do um, but yeah, let's dispatch Queens and um, yeah, just keep the keep the run going. Reese, are you going to be uh, dishing out the cans in the ten thirteen to Dumfries? Um, how are you feeling about the game? What's your prediction for the game? No, I'll be on the Jordan Hill loyal, of course, man. I'm too <laughs> loyal to that bus. Um, I'm really looking forward to it as well. Like, as as you guys have said, like, and it's a weird thing, like 
obviously you think every player wants to keep a clean sheet every game, but like as you've just mentioned, like you can see that they're focused on it even more. They're putting their body in the line that wee bit more. They're all fighting for this clean sheet, like from the forwards to the back, like chasing every ball down. And you know, like when the time comes that we do eventually concede again, you'll see how fuming every player is. It's like every minute that goes by, they're like, right, there we go. It's another, it's another ten minutes, another twenty minutes without conceding, another half an hour. That's another hour of football without conceding. Like they know how good a record this is, and none of them want to give it up. So I'm really looking forward to it. And I do think Queens are a decent side. They're kind of. Their, their form's not really like replicating what they're doing this season. I think they've got a good squad and they're kind of playing good football at times. But am I right in saying they drew with Cove at the weekend, so they'll be playing Cove this midweek. So a bit of a journey, isn't it? So, but at the same time, I, I kind of think like that the whole myth of like having games midweek and like fresher legs that kind of like went out the window for me last season because you've seen teams were playing like four games in a week. They'd still beat you, do you know what I mean? After like part time teams were playing four games in the one week and they'd come to your place and beat you. So I don't really think too much into that anymore. But I am looking forward to it and I think that I hope that we've got enough to to beat Queen South and I hope that James Steadman can manage another clean sheet. Mark, um I assume you'll be in the ten thirteen training if if Reese is not if he's in the Jordan Hill bus. So your thoughts on the game and is always that a score prediction from you? Yeah, I'm gonna endeavour to get that early train to be last. Um I will win two 0 I will keep it going. I'd, I'd get, I'll get a feeling we'll keep it going. So yeah, two 0 I'll be trying to get that early train and on the cans. Who wouldn't be? Well, yes, exactly. Um, yeah, Jamie, score prediction. I'm gonna be confident. I'm gonna say three 0 first of all. Reese. Yep, I've got to agree with Mark on this one. I'm gonna say two 0 but enough in the locker to snatch a couple of goals and fingers crossed James Sneddon can shatter all records that are held for party official keepers. John? I'm going to go with my heart, not my head. I'm going to say 2 nil as well, boys. Nah, no, I, I'm going to I'm going to go, I'm going to back Jamie. 3 nil. Tunji Akinola to score for 48 yards with one of the Mads Latin bicycle kicks. Why not? Earlier this week, me and Mark Wallace uh, chatted about uh, the recent passing of Bertie Ault. Now joined by Mark Wallace here to discuss uh, the recent passing of former part official manager um, Bertie Ault. Um Mark, how are you doing? Yeah, pretty good, but it's not the best circumstances, obviously, to be uh, looking at anything at the minute. I say it's a time that I think uh, I, I didn't actually realise um, just how good a time this actually was. Anything that's usually before my time, like you hear, like. At least even the John Lambie era, the, the most recent spell, it's within fairly living memory. I remember it as a kid. But looking back at this, it's quite actually remarkable uh, what Bertie Ald achieved as manager because his first season in charge, and this was when he, this was his first job in management. Uh, we won the second tier in 1975-76. Uh, we only lost two games out of uh, 26 
because it was due to the we were re, the leagues were being reconstructed, I believe. And in this uh, league season, obviously we won the second tier, seventy five. We also got to the uh, League Cup semi finals where we lost to Celtic uh, by a goal to nil. Ultimately, I suppose when you're in a, a cup semi final with Celtic and you're in the second when you're in the second tier, and Celtic still obviously ha- are very much in the midst of their dominance of the competition at this time. I believe that defeat to us in 1971 was one of only twice. I think they lost when they played in it. They only, when they made it to the final, they usually won it. And this was one of the, t- that defeat in 71, obviously, was one of the few times they didn't. We lost to that Celtic team in 1975. Had a couple of chances, but didn't work out, obviously. Straight up to the top flight, finished fifth. Uh, comfortably fifth above Hearts and Hibs. Hearts were relegated that season. Hibs finished sixth. And then followed that up, 77-78, with a seventh place finish. But again, comfortably avoiding the relegation uh, zone. Then comes uh, 77-78 and 78-79 are important. When talking about Bertie Ald's tenure at the club, because as we mentioned, they had the League Cup semi-final in 75 but in 78 and 79, uh, we reached the Scottish Cup semi-finals, uh, losing to Aberdeen in 1978 and Rangers in 1979. And I'm going to focus on the Rangers game in 1979 because it's it's extremely controversial. And if you ask any Thistle fan of a, set, of a particular vintage who remembers uh, this game, they will not hesitate to tell you that Bobby Houston's goal was not offside in this game. It finished 0-0. By all accounts, it was, according to the papers anyway, it was an epic semi-final. A Rangers side managed by John Gregg. Um, Thistle twice uh, coming close, having Rangers had chances cleared off the line. Rangers hit the bar. And then, obviously, with 10 minutes to go, Thistle have the ball in the net. And rather controversially, the referee gives offside and the goal is disallowed. It goes to a replay, which is, ironically enough, it's on the Monday the 16th of April 1979. It's the 58th anniversary of when Thistle beat Rangers in the Scottish Cup final in 1921, as we've talked about. Had a couple of chances. Whitaker hit the side net and Dougie Sumner headed over. Andy Anderson going off injured was a big issue for us in the 22nd minute. Um, a brilliant save denies Jim Melrose. Rangers just had enough, though. Four minutes from time, future Thistle manager Derek Johnson grabs the winner. For Rangers, so like Bertie Old's time at the club, hugely successful, unprecedented for the club, given we dropped out of the top flight at the beginning of the seventies under David McParland. We came back, obviously won the League Cup, and then we went down again. That fifth place finish in nineteen seventy seven was our highest finish. It still is our, it's our highest finish since the fifties in the top flight. Obviously, we came sixth in twenty seventeen. Uh, so like, since then, that's as high as we finished in the top flight. So Bertie Old's time at the club was hugely, hugely successful. You also have to look at the context and what Old came came under is like um, as you mentioned, David McParland, you know the, the 1971 League Cup winning manager was manager and left us in quite shocking circumstances. It wasn't a case of he was sacked for poor results or anything like that. Again, we were in the second tier, but we'd missed the cut for the Premier Division. What been David McParland resigned, and Bertie Old, this was his, his first ever managerial job, was at Firhill. And you know, Bertie Old was born around the corner from Firhill in 1938. 
He was a former official ball boy. Um, obviously went on to greatness at Celtic, part of the Lisbon Lions, you know, one of the most um, incredible teams, you know, in, in European football. And obviously, um, you know, for Celtic fans, held in such great esteem as well. But to take over that official squad that McParland had assembled and then sort of manipulate it to his own. I mean, there's lots and lots of stories on sort of We Are Fissel forums about he was such a shrewd tactician, very defensively minded. Uh, a lot of people saying too defensively minded. Um, I remember there was somebody had mentioned an anecdote where somebody screamed at Betty All to put another man up at the corner, which was fair enough, bearing in mind that it was our corner and we'd put like two men in the box for it, which seems, seems ludicrous. But I mean, you look at all the stories that have been coming out in the sort of the clips of Bertie Old, the way he talks, he was a very affable chap. Um, there's obviously the infamous uh, one with Alan Ruff, uh, where they ask, what was your favourite um, away exploit as a footballer? And he replies, I can't say that, my wife will be listening, which is a, a very good joke. He always seemed to be very happy and he did also talk about the importance of humour and sort of making people believe in themselves and having a bit of self-deprecation about yourself, but as well as that, giving them the confidence to go on these runs. I mean, you know, obviously mentioned about the fifth place in the semi-finals. I mean, we beat Rangers seven times, you know, in his tenure with ourselves. We haven't beat Rangers since, I believe, 93, 93, 94. Yeah, I think we've beat them once or twice since. We did beat them in 81. Yeah. But I don't know. I think that might have been under that might have been under Peter Cormack. We haven't beat them at Ibrook since 1981, but we haven't beat them since 1993. Exactly, and he he won seven times in the space of what five years um, against Rangers. It's simply you know it's absolutely unbelievable. Just to sort of reckon, and we were you know running Celtic and Aberdeen. We were competing with these teams. And we were we were playing good football. Obviously, a lot of people said he was very defensively minded, but it absolutely worked. You know, we were really hard to break down. And you know, you, you speak again. You mentioned about Fissile fans of Avintage talking about how the goal was definitely onside um, against Rangers. Rangers fans of Avintage will say as well, but Bertie Old when he was a Fissile that they hated playing him and they felt that he was very uh, negative and defensively not attacking enough. But it's, it's absolutely not true. We were we had some great players on the side at that time. And he really got the most out of them. And you, you kind of look at, when you, you look at these teams that he was building and the rapport that he had, he very much was, along with McParland, maybe more so than McParland, he was very much the blueprint, prototypical party fiscal manager. And like your Lambies and your McCalls, and that they do have a deprecating sense of humour, but as well as that, they are very switched on and they're t- tactically aware and they can get the best out of players that other, other managers might not necessarily do. And if you look at sort of old managerial ship and then you look at what's came afterwards, it's, the, the mark that he's had on the club is magnificent. It's, it's Players are very open with him. He was very open with players, but he gave them the confidence he needed to be the best that they can be. And again, his, his DNA runs through Thistle. I think Thistle as a club, like we can be quite a difficult club to get. We're largely overshadowed by Celtic and Rangers and there may be a tendency to think that we just kind of sort of have to accept, maybe not mediocrity is the wrong word, but it certainly seems like we can't complain too much. But people talk about, see, is it on a tangent, like people talk about, oh, is this manager Rangers-minded, Celtic-minded, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And people like, laugh at that being like a requirement, but like 
in all honesty, having somebody who understands the club or gets what the club is trying to do, what they want the club to be, is actually quite important. And Bertie Auld nailed it. He was a Mary Hill boy, playing career, obviously very successful with Celtic, but like unprecedented heights with Celtic. He took the Thistle job and he was never for one minute maybe overawed by it. He was probably aware of uh, what he had to do, and what he had, what he wanted to achieve. He achieved some very, very special things that I'm that obviously we can only read about and talk about here. I feel like it's something that you touching by McCall and Lambie. It's it's there. It feels like maybe McCall is heading in the right direction once again. It's, it's back to somebody who gets it, who knows what it means, who who has that connection to the club, who, like who understands, and that's massive for us. For any for any club that's having to deal with competing with Celtic Rangers, Harps, Hibs, Aberdeen, anybody outside that sort of spectre of club in Scotland. No, I definitely agree. And if you look at the link, you know, between them, all of them have at some point came back and rescued us. They've done great things with us. They've got us promoted. First division, you know, Premier League, for that, and they've went away. They've had success and they've came back when the club has been in a bind because they understand what the club means and they understand just how much it, it means to the fans and what we need to do to kind of get us out on an even keel. I mean, Betty all came back um, in the late 80s. I believe we had seven or eight games left and we were like, absolutely on our knees, ready to get relegated and turned in an incredible run of games which saved us before leaving again. And you say, again, Lambie did it for us as well. He came back and he, he turned the club around and got us back into the, in the promised land of the Premier League. McCall's done it as well for ourselves where, you know, he was with us for four years, went away, came back. We did get relegated, but he managed to orchestrate his game back at League One and is we're really strong at the moment. Lambie, old. A lot of people were talking about how Lambie and Old are very much one and the same, you know, um, peas in the pod, so to speak. Where they they very much got Thistle and they knew what they had to do and were very similar. I think you can add McCall to that as well, where where those sort of managers are the managers that we that we thrive under and very old. Yeah, we have a, very we have much. a like I think you need to be different to manage us. We have that with McCall could be a bit of a maverick. We obviously know Lambie. The stories about Lambie, you would be here for hours. And I think you need to be a wee bit. It's like what was that? What was that saying? You don't need to be mad to work here, but it helps. Yeah, and I think that sort of vibe, if you will, uh, really encapsulates sort of how Bertie all was able to be a success. No, absolutely. And I mean, even just on a on a Mary Hill basis, until Andrew Robertson, he was the only player from Mary Hill to win the European Cup. Obviously, Andrew Robertson did it for Liverpool a couple of years ago, but it just goes to show you a guy, you know, he was a butcher's apprentice in Mary Hill, fiscal ball boy, rose the ranks to play for Celtic, won the European Cup, came back to Mary Hill, managed Fissile. Yeah, just, you know, absolutely thrived. And I, I agree, definitely, he, he was very much, he's in the DNA of the club and a, a prototype for what a successful manager for Fissile should be. Absolutely. The, the the other famous quote, obviously, we mentioned about the Lisbon Lions, about how he won the European Cup uh, with Celtic in 1967. Um, and he was 
the, the, the well-known anecdote was that he was the one that started singing the, the Celtic song, if you know your history, in, in the tunnel. And all the Inter Milan players were all phased by this and didn't quite know what was going on. And the, the, they, they said the battle was won at that point in the, in the tunnel because he just couldn't quite react to it. And he, he said the immortal words, which I absolutely loved. He says, if we can do it at Far Hill, we can do it in Lisbon. Which I thought, even in sort of his biggest, most defining moment, there's still a wee fistle bit in there because, of course, if you can date a far hill, you can date a Lisbon. Indeed. What the guy achieved as a player and uh, for Celtic and as a manager, like there's no many, no many guys like that. And sadly, there are going to be fewer now. And the world will be a poorer place for it. And the Scottish football sort of universe will be a poorer place for losing guys like that. We do have to talk about the fact that the weather at the moment is, is really quite bad. I mean, for example, if you look at sort of lower league games um, across the country on Saturday, vast waves of them were called off um, and the weather just seems to be getting just worse and worse. And as well as that, we've got Queen's Park ground sharing with us. And on Sunday, the Women's League Cup final uh, between Glasgow City and Celtic is being held at Firhill as well. That's another game added on. What what are your what's your thoughts on the state of the pitch at the moment, and do you foresee it leading to postponements for this match? I could see it being a factor in possibly games being called off because you do have two teams playing on the same part with the, the, throwing the women's game in there as well. I thought we saw against Inverness a few weeks ago a, the conditions on the park made it very difficult for us to really get the ball down and play. I felt everything seemed either half a yard too too short or too long. Everything was very imprecise. Running games coming into this time of year as the weather gets worse, it's always a concern, especially when you're going to have additional games on the park with Queen's Park playing. Their home games the day after ours. So, yeah, it's a bit of a concern. And we just need to hope that it doesn't get too bad. We don't want to end up in like a a twelve thirteen season style where we're having to play catch up. Of course, I know that went really well, but like the idea you want is you want to have points on the board rather than games in hand and having to play catch up with a backlog of games. Cuts here, cold snaps, not going to be ideal, especially for us with the way we are set up to play with the intensity that we play uh, our game at. So. You always have to keep that in the back of your mind, I think. It's certainly a concern, but I think you can only just deal with it as it comes. Reese, your thoughts, do you do you see them forgetting to turn on the undersoil heating if we get a couple of injuries or hangovers over the Christmas party? Or how how important is it for us that we don't have games called off at the moment with our momentum? Do you do you see that being a factor if we have this sort of momentous run and then get stopped for a couple of weeks from postponements? Do you think that could be a an issue down the line? Yeah, it could be could be detrimental to our run at the minute because, as as we all know, momentum is everything in football and I don't think there's any denying it. The pitches, the last couple of weeks, it's the worst it's been in years. Like It's so heavy, it's so patchy. Like 
and I, I'm kind of used to Far Hill being a really good surface, a really a really good pitch to play on, and it's it's terrible looking at the minute. And I don't know if any of you noticed the other night as well, but like maybe in three or four occasions, like the floodlights were flickering. And I'm like, this game is in danger of being abandoned. That happened in the first half, then a couple of times later on, like the lights were about to cut out. So I don't know what's happening at the minute. Lucky Bill's not getting paid, and like <laughs> every steward, uh, sorry, every groundsman has got COVID, but hey. As long as it keeps going, as long as we keep doing well, fingers crossed that the run continues. We need to get that old form away money to keep the like and the leaky meter ticking over, I think. Um Jamie. Uh, just to mention that point that we said about the lights, I, I noticed that as well. At first I thought I uh, imagined that the lights flickering. I don't even think it was just the floodlights, because I swear that the lights in the stand as well flickered at one point. I I definitely heard I definitely seen them flicker in a stand. I didn't notice it in the yeah. floodlights, but I did notice it in the stand as well at one point. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, we better not have like a Wi-Fi crash into a, a Rafe Rovers Dunfermline and get abandoned. <laughs> but um, yeah, the pitches are the pitch is not good right now. But it's a uh, to be honest, like if you think back to the you know days when Glasgow Warriors were sharing the ground, the pitch was an absolute riot back then. And I think it's the, it's not quite that bad, but it's the worst it's been since then, in my opinion. I think the pitches really bad right now. I mean, I remember everyone laughing at Peter Grant for saying the grass was too long in that 0-0 game. But um, the pitch has been pretty bad. It, it definitely takes away from our game because we've got good, fast-flowing attacking football. And if the, you know, the ball's holding up a bit in bits of the pitch and players are constantly slipping on it as well, which I, I keep noticing as well. And it just doesn't doesn't make for good football if you've got an absolutely atrocious pitch. And I wouldn't, maybe not atrocious, but it's definitely not good right now. And it's it's just it's a it's a thing that comes with ground sharing. Yes, we got some money for it, but it's just the pitch has been used twice as many times in a season, and it's gonna take a bit of a beating because of it. And it's starting to become noticeable now. And I think it has been noticeable since maybe the Inverness game, maybe even the Dunfermline game before that. It's been it's been getting pretty noticeable over the last month. I would say on this, to be honest, like in terms of yeah, there is a, there is extra games, but I mean if you look at like the sort of nine sort of 18, 19 or 19, 20 season, we were, you know, Rangers were using it for UEFA Youth League games. Um, we had Glasgow Cup games. UEFA were hosting like uh, under 16 Scotland games and stuff like that. And other games from like, because I went to games at Fur Hill in like, the middle of the week that were like Poland v Russia and like the under 17s or something like that. We were hiring out the pitch quite a lot and it was never, never as bad as it was at this. And even then, like, yeah, there's going to be more games, but they've still to come down the line. And, to be honest, I don't I don't get why it's so bad at the moment, just purely because we, we've had seasons before COVID where we were using the pitch just as much, if not more, up to this point, and it wasn't as bad. So I really don't know what it is. But John, um, do you have any thoughts on this? Obviously, Jerry Burton came out at the start of the season, season saying it won't affect us, and hopefully he's right with that. But to be honest, I think that's maybe a wee bit of a PR stunt. Um, the, the location of Firhill doesn't really do its... To help with the, the quality of the pitch because it's right beneath the Firhill Basin so you're actually underneath a body of water so it's going to be really difficult and it, I mean we've seen it before and um, it has taken its toll on the pitch um, previously so I hope I hope there's not going to be a backlog of fixtures but I can see it taking its toll just because of what it has been and we've seen it in previous years um, uh, yeah I, I, I just hope it doesn't take an effect but just the location of it um, where it is, I think. I mean, it's naturally gonna t- take some some beating if you've got more games on it. 
Absolutely. We may as well get the excuses in for um, when all our players are hung over after the Christmas party. We need to accidentally turn off the undersoil heating. Um, just you know, get the excuses in first and then nobody can blame us. Say, say just on the Christmas just night out, um, the Thistle players are going to Newcastle on the 4th, right? And if they didn't win that game on, on Friday night, the Christmas night out was getting cancelled. So that's why they were all going mental and Doc Squad late on. <laughs> is, that, is that right? Yeah, that's, that's brilliant. Cool, right? Because right. oh. there's like there's like loads of teams going to Newcastle. I know my pal who plays for Albion Rovers. He he's going to Newcastle that night. Peter Heather going to Newcastle that night. Fisso going to Newcastle that night. So every Scottish club's all going to Newcastle on the fourth of December. Just have a big brawl in the street. I was going to say it's going to be like you know how like if you ever listen to old dads talk about when he used to go to the football in the seventies and eighties and they'd all meet up at Calendar to have a scrap in the car park or whatever. It's a bit like that. <laughs> They're all going to Newcastle. <laughs> Um, I think I'd I'd fancy our chances. Get Brian Graham in there, knock some knock some people down. I think I definitely we'd, we'd stand our chance in an all a, a battle royale. Um, Mark, do you think we'd win a battle royale a car park scrap with all the other SPFL clubs in Newcastle? We as in the players, or we as in us lot. Well, if you look at the last time Man Pete Singh went to Newcastle, it definitely would say the Fissile fans would not win a scrap in Newcastle. <coughs> but um, no, the club. Uh, no, nah, I, I would fancy our chances. Tunji would just be taking bodies. If it was, if it was, if it, if it was us, would be fucked because I can't even hit water if I fell out a boat. <laughs> so I would go. I, I would think we would stand a good chance. I think Akinola would absolutely be the Iron Man in the in the Royal Rumble. He'd be in there long term, 30, 40, 50 minutes, clinging on at the end. Oh, I I absolutely agree, definitely. And um, we'll we'll move on to Partridge Fissel then. So. Um, to round off the episode, um, last week there was the suggestion that was mooted that if half time should be extended to 25 minutes. Now, interestingly, I literally didn't notice until last week, but um, apparently Scottish games have less half time than English games. Scottish English games are 10 minutes, English games are uh, 15 minutes. That's why, if you ever watch Sky Sports News, all the Scottish games come in before the English games. But there was the the, the mooted 25 minute half time so that big clubs can bring out entertainment a la Super Bowl halftime shows. So for Patrick Fisher this week, I'd like to ask you, first of all, we'll go to Reese. What act are you putting on at halftime for that big Super Bowl show feeling? Well, we've already had a, a taste of it. Kelly away, I think we've got a, a two hour long halftime. And the Kelly Chile does have been chucked as well, so we didn't even get to see them. But um, one of the old um, recreations at halftime again surely no I'm kidding no that was the only thing I've ever seen in my life I don't know well just on that imagine you had like a fan from each each club right so like Dunfermline would come at the weekend like oh big Baldy's coming in and then like big Baldy would fight like a Fissile f
Uh, get get that on a look. He has to perform every time for 25 minutes non-stop. God, I really hope he'll extend half-time to 25 minutes. It would be, it'd be so bad. It's like, just imagine you're watching the Champions League final and you just won in the second half and like Beyonce comes out, like floats into the middle of the pitch and starts singing some some song in the middle of the pitch. It'd be so boring. You'd just be wanting the second half to start. So I really hope it doesn't happen. But they've done away with a lot of the halftime stuff. Like Festival used to do a crossbar challenge like two years ago or something at halftime. And done away with that. I don't know if it has to do with COVID or whatever. And Kelly used to do that as well. And they didn't do it in that 30 minute halftime that we got there early in the season. They didn't have anything going on. So I don't know, they seem to be doing away with that kind of thing. I remember um, we played St Mirren away in the cup, I believe, and um, the halftime entertainment was, oh, was um, a hundred meter sprint race between the Paisley Panda and Kingsley, and I'd absolutely bring that back. Yeah, that was that was class. It was bubble football as well, wasn't it? There was, it was bubble football as well. Yeah, that was that was fantastic. Yeah, no, there was I, also a mixed mixed uh, fan stand or something like that. That was a weird yeah. game. Yeah, that, that that was very bizarre. It was a Friday night as well, and right, it was just it was all over the shop. It, it was very strange, but no, I definitely like to see Kingsley have to take on like a series of physical challenges against like, other mascots and stuff. But that seems like a good laugh. Yeah, that'd be quite good. Um, Mark, your thoughts? Halftime entertainment. Ah, see, like, see, see for like your bit for your big matches. I'm talking about like I don't mean like our game specifically. I'm talking about see like the champ, the idea of it for like the Champions League. Uh, Europa League, Europa Conference, World Cup Finals and that, I'm, I, I think the 25 minute half time thing would actually be a no bad idea, but I wouldn't have it at this level however, no reason why we couldn't get uh, Amy McDonald at the stands and on the park, a wee performance or heights failing that however I would quite like us to get like one of those big giant like cauldrons on the park at half time so that we could burn that fucking salt tire flag that, that guy made. I that would be very <laughs> cathartic for everybody. But is that the one with the the hats and strap Yeah, that we will never forget. <laughs> the M8 Alliance will never be destroyed, Mark. Um, I agree with you about like the Champions League and Europe League finals. Like I, I watch the Super Bowl every year. I don't I don't really watch the NFL that much, but I do watch the Super Bowl every year and without a doubt, shadow of a doubt, pretty much every year the highlight for me is the halftime show. Like even Shakira and J Lo done it like two years ago, it was absolutely class. I absolutely love a bit of overproduced arena pop. I, I would probably I, I, my, my real answer is always just getting craft work in to do some mad 3D show. I think that would be a good laugh. Either that or just go absolutely mental and just have a like weird performance art, a la the, the 1971 recreation. Just totally go, ve- go very avant-garde with it. You know, barbershop is in danger of growing stale. We're taking it in strange new directions, all that. So, yeah, I would go with some sort of avant-garde puppet show or some nonsense would be a good laugh, or bubble football, probably, or a combination of the two would be a good laugh with craft work playing in the background. But... Um, if not, if Shakira and JLo are available, you know, we absolutely should be bursting the bank to get them and maybe they can play it <laughs> centre back as well if we need, uh, you know, for squad depth. But um, John, uh, your thoughts? Who do you, who would you have? 
in typical Park Thistle stereotypical fashion, I think it would be some sort of like play pie in a pint theme at Oran Moor, wouldn't it? Like typical West End vibes. But in all seriousness, I couldn't think of anything worse than, than waiting 25 minutes for the second half to start at Fair Hill. Something in a, a bit of an amalgamation from what you've all said. I quite like the idea of like Reese's Royal Rumble theme. Instead of fans, let's get um, mascots in there. So let's get Kingsley leading the line for, for Thistle in a Royal Rumble theme. You could even zip line off the top of the Jackie Husband or something, you know, just make it enjoyable. Or, I don't know, steel cage match from the top, jumping off the top of the Jackie Husband straight onto the centre circle, something like that would be amazing. It's, it's the last thing that the ground needs. In fact, saying that, Mark Dallas did actually try to do that for a half-time show for us at once and was told by the groundsman, no, fuck off, we're not having you put a wrestling ring on the pitch at half-time, it's just not happening. Yeah, like, I was going to say we could have Chris Doolan uh, play, uh, conducting an orchestra and it would be the number nine symphony. Very good, very good. I, I like that. No, very good. Um, Jamie? Uh, given how much the board's changed over the last couple of years, we get all the, every single person who's been and gone on the board over the last like five years in the centre circle. They all fight, they all fight to the, at the end and whoever comes out on top becomes the new chairman. We do that every year to decide who's in charge instead of everyone leaving and coming back. Is this just like a Far Hill version of uh, the film Battle Royale? Just Takeshi Kitano smoking fags and he's going, right, you're going out there. Last one left he becomes the chairman for this year. I'm up for it. Why not? John, just before we go, do you want to plug uh, the Octorado Chippy for anyone who's not heard it? That'd be great, guys. Yeah, so Octorado Chippy, weekly podcast talking about all things Scottish football. Uh, we release every well weekly episodes on a Tuesday night. Um, yeah, talking about everything from Premiership all the way down to lower leagues. Um, obviously, this weekend was Scottish Cup action, so we're talking about all all the kind of upsets at the weekend. Um, basically, if you like your Scottish football and um, an unbiased, non-old firm centric take on Scottish football, um, yeah, it's the podcast review. We're affiliated with Pine Bovril. Um, you can chat to us on um, Twitter at the Oct Chip or on Facebook, or we've got an affiliated page um, at the bottom of the uh, the Pine Bovril um, forum. Um, we've got our own fo- sub forum there, so um, yeah, give us a wee shout on there. That'd be fantastic. Thanks for having me on, boys. Appreciated it. Um, it's been a great night, and yes, yeah, it makes a change for me to speak about um, Park Thistle solely in terms of just maybe a wee bit five minute section um, on on my podcast. But yeah, I really, really appreciated it. And thanks very much. No problem. It's been great having you. And as always, thank you again for listening to Draw as a Draw. Hopefully, Matt will uh, return next week to to hosting duties, but we'll see what happens. You might find another excuse not to turn up next week. But as ever, I'm going to honeymoon for fuck's sake. No, no, he's no. He's not back at work. He's on his honeymoon. He's, I'm sure he's... I No, I, I'm not having it. It's been like three weeks. But yeah, but thanks again for listening to Draw, Lose, or Draw. And as always, stay safe and buy a half-season ticket.